0: Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zelinsky. Hi everyone, welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Tuesday, January 17th, 2017 edition. Today is part two of a two-part series that I'm doing called Israel, the Kabbalah and the Antichrist. And let me tell you, nothing stirs up contentious religious spirits in this topic. Let me tell you, you know, you must be hitting the mark when the devils are coming out of the woodwork. But before I do, I want to remind people to go right now and subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can just throw it in a search bar, Sheila Zelinsky YouTube, or very simply go to weekendvigilante.com. You will see the social media icons there at the top right on the pink bar. Very easy to see. Go do that right now, and you can get your name entered into some personally signed copies of my books. I would love you to read the endorsements. GreenGospel.ca, PowerPrayers.ca. I wish Power Prayers would be required reading for every Christian because as Carla and I always say, prayer is when you're addressing God Warfare is where you're addressing the enemy and you cannot leave that part out. That is the biggest revelation I've had in such a long time. So do follow me on Twitter, like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube channel because also we're going to be doing some different stuff this year and you are going to want to be subscribed, especially some live streaming, some video just really mixing it up. And in the months to follow, I think you're really going to enjoy the new format with some ideas that we have. I gave everyone a report on my leg yesterday. So if you're interested, you can go back and listen to the beginning of yesterday's program. And I get into all that. I don't want to take any more time today because I want to get right into the program. This is part two of this series, Israel, the Kabbalah and the Antichrist. Subtitled The Zionist Movement. Pastor John Terrell, welcome to the program, sir. I'm just going to hand you the mic. Take it away.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sheila, and uh, praise the Lord. Before I start this uh, teaching today, I, I want to do a definition. We do know that Jesus is our Lord and Savior as Christians, but Jesus was also the Jewish Messiah. And matter of fact, if we turn very quickly here to the Gospel of John, and I'm gonna pick it up in the first chapter as John chapter one, and I'm gonna read here from verse number one. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then we go down here to verse 11 he came unto his own and his own received him not it is very important do you understand that jesus came first of all to the people of israel which today is known as the jewish people during his time here three and a half years when he was preaching he basically preached to the jewish people he did meet a few Gentiles, but the Gentiles were not grafted in until after the day of Pentecost when the Apostle was told to go out and minister to the whole world and bring them in. So it is important that Jesus is not a Gentile Messiah, he is a Jewish Messiah, and he came to take care of the first covenant, and issue a second covenant for his people, and we are grafted in. The second thing is that the Antichrist is gonna be a Jewish Antichrist, and he's not gonna be a Gentile. He's gonna be Jewish, and he's gonna try to fulfill every prophecy spoken in the Old Testament to try to simply say, I am the real deal. I am the Messiah of Israel. Understanding that, we now have in the book of Revelation, we talks about the Antichrist, the world government, and the reign of the Antichrist. So we do know that that is coming. If you now read in the Kabbalah and by the way the Kabbalah is 550 books and uh, there's a lot of fluff Kabbalah which you have in Hollywood with the stars and movie stars and so on but the real deep Kabbalah teaching is that they are waiting for their Messiah which they call the Holy Serpent that they're gonna bring up out of the abyss and I spoke about this on an earlier program So what I wanna do now is, I want to start 170 years before Christ and show you the attempts that the Kabbalistic Jewish leadership have done over the years to establish the State of Israel or the Kingdom of Israel would be a better term. And the first attempt was made, this is after now they had been thrown out of the land, the Babylonian captivity, and God had told them, you lost the land, you are in sin, and you will not get the land back until the Messiah comes. And so when Jesus came, even the apostles believed this. They believed that Jesus at that time would establish the kingdom of Israel. And already, in, in a program prior to this, from the book of Acts, chapter 1, they asked him, when are you going to establish the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons. He simply said, I'm not going to tell you that now. But the concept of the apostles was that Jesus would come and not only be saving us from our sins, But also established the kingdom of Israel, which did not take place. This will be fulfilled in a thousand year kingdom. Now the Kabbalistic Jews have simply decided that they are gonna help themselves. And in one sixty seven BC to one hundred thirty-five BC, we had what is called the Maccabean Revolt. And This is when the Jews, they were very powerful, they revolted, and they drove out the Romans, and they simply tried to establish, they were able to get a hold of Jerusalem, they were able to reestablish the temple, to cleanse the temple, and for a few years, they had a state of Israel, or a kingdom of Israel, they didn't have a king, and then they were defeated. Now, Hanukkah, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, dates back to the Maccabean revolt of the temporary victory that they had. And this is Hanukkah where they light the candles and I think it's a seven-day holiday. That dates back to the revolt by the Maccabeans in 167 B.C. The second uprising took place between the years 66 and 70 A.D., after Jesus had been here. The Jews in Jerusalem and in Judea decided that they had enough, they were strong enough, and matter of fact, what they did was they simply took control of Jerusalem, and there was about five to 6,000 Roman soldiers that were part of the garrison in Jerusalem. So they realized We cannot fight. We are outnumbered. They surrendered. And they were told, if you surrender, we will let you go. When they surrendered, they were massacred and just wiped out, killed on the spot. No weapons. They just jumped on them and wiped them out. And, of course, that's made the Romans furious. At this point, I'm going to stop for a moment here and say this. Where do I get my information from? This is something that I think that every Christian should have in order to understand Jewish history and the Antichrist. I have a book called History of the Jews. It was written by Solomon Graysel, G-R-A-Y-Z-E-L. And it is the textbook used in the synagogues. It was used in the 1950s. I don't know if they're using it now or if they come in with something else. But anyway. This book is a very good textbook, it's very factual, and you cannot buy it new, but I do know this: that on the internet you can get a used copy of this book, A History of the Jews by Solomon Grayson. Matter of fact, he was a rabbi, and I got this book in 1969 when I was at the seminary, and I moved a Jewish rabbis belonged. He had died. His son contacted the seminary and asked if it was some student that could help him to move his stuff up to Lake Tahoe. And so me and all the guy we got the job. And when we went down there, the son said, I'm not interested in the guy's books. You can have all the books you want. They had a big library. Most of the books I turned over. They went Hebrew. I turned them over to the seminary for their collection. But I did keep this book, A History of the Jews. At that time, I didn't think how valuable that would be but that is where i get my information from so when i'm getting information i get it from jewish sources. if i speak about the jews i get it from jewish sources not from gentile sources so the uprising in in judah between 66 and 70 a.d was a disaster now jesus had predicted this if you remember jesus spoke and said you know he talked about the temple He said, there should not be one stone left upon another stone. And he said, when you see the abominations stand here, then flee. And the Christians in Jerusalem, and if you remember now, the book of Acts, 3,000 people got saved the first day after Pentecost, and then thousands of more. We had about 25,000 Christians in Jerusalem after the apostles had been working there. When the Roman armies came back, in 66, actually they came back about 67 AD. What the Christians did was they fled out of Jerusalem and not one Christian Jew was killed. But when the Romans took Jerusalem in 70 AD, they destroyed the temple. In those days they had no dynamite. So what they did was they brought in a lot of wood and they heated up the walls of the temple And once they were really hot, they threw cold water on it, and that's how they cracked the walls, and then they tore it down. They worked about three years, and the only thing left is the Temple Mound and what is called today the Wailing Wall that we have left of that original Temple. Now, all Jews got killed, and it was a slaughter. You would think that the Jews would say, "Kabbalistic Jews would say, okay, it ain't working. This is the second attempt. The third attempt took place in 115 to 117 A.D. by Jews outside Judea. You remember now, there was about a million Jews living in Babylon. A million Jews were living in what is called Cyrene, which was the northern part of Egypt. And there were Jews living in Turkey. There were Jews living in Greece and so on. And the Jews what they called in the diaspora where the jews outside of israel made a revolt for two years trying to overthrow the roman government and of course in 117 they were crushed and again a blood massacre incredible as the romans put them down brutally. the last revolt that was done was in jerusalem it started 132 A.D. and lasted for two years, actually three years, to 135. This is when you had Bar Kokhba, Jewish leader, and he had at his disposal close to one million Jewish soldiers. He had got an army of one million Jewish soldiers. And they were for a season able to drive out the Romans and to take control, they held the land for about three years. And after three years, the Romans came back with allegiance the and they massacred. According to Jewish historical facts, 580,000 Jewish soldiers were killed. This time, the Romans said, we're going to deal with the Jews once and for all. That's enough of a rebellion. And... They simply took just about every Jew that was left in Judea was scattered into the Roman Empire. They just, they just threw them out of the land. They destroyed again everything they had built. They tried to rebuild the temple. And the young men and women, and we're talking here about millions of them are Jews, were taken down to Egypt, loaded on ships, and sent all over the Roman Empire And sold as slaves. It was a massacre. Now this broke. The people that were in the Kabbalah. They realized this. That we cannot do it. We have to wait for a lot of time. The next person that I want to bring up. Is Rabbi Isaac Luria. And he lived from 1534 to 1572. He has been written what is called the Lurianic Kabbalah, which is actually a very bad, evil part of the Kabbalah of the teachings, which was picked up later by Jacob Franks and others. And that's a Kabbalah that that world leadership is using that today. Now, Luria had gone back to the land of Israel. Actually, he lived up in Galilee, and he found there was a village there called Safed. It's spelled S A F E D, Safed. Seyfried. And if you looked it up today on the internet, you will find that that is the Kabbalistic center of the world. It is not in Jerusalem, but it's in the village of Safed. That's where Isaac Luria was. Now he died in 1572, and the next Kabbalistic leader that came on the scene was Sabbatai Zevi. And he lived from 1626 to 1676. Now, Sabbatai was a little bit different from Luria. He simply said, I am the Jewish Messiah. There was another rabbi there, Nathan of Gaza. And Nathan of Gaza became his prophet. Sabbatai began to preach, and he had the gift of healing. People, when they were prayed for, they were slain. They were simply knocked down. And Nathan of Gaza had the same power. So the Jewish people that were as remnant had not come back to Jerusalem and up in Sefer. They simply said, this is the Messiah. And so letters were sent to all Jewish population centers. We had them up in Spain. We had them up in France. We got them in Germany. We got them in Poland. We got them in Russia at that time and they were simply said you know the messiah has come he is right now in the land of israel and at that time most jews that lived during this time believed that sabbatai Sevi was the messiah and they simply said the messiah has come in 1666 now the kabbalistic number 666 which you find in the book of revelation chapter 13 it's the number of the Kabbalistic holy name, and it was attributed to King Solomon. King Solomon was known as 666. That was his Kabbalistic number, and you find it also in First Kings chapter 10. So Sabbatai decided he was the Messiah. This is the time of the Ottoman Empire. After a while, he traveled up to where the uh, Turkish leadership was, the um, Sultan that is called S-U-L-T-A-N. And he proclaimed himself and said, I am the Messiah. It's time for you to abdicate and give me the power. I am the Messiah. Well, he was arrested and in time he was threatened and he converted to Islam. He simply spit on his hat and everything else he had and said, you know, I'm now a Muslim. Now, when this word got out, his followers were absolutely horrified and they said, you know, all hope is gone. Well, here comes Nathan from Gaza, the prophet, and said, look, Sabbatai has committed the worst sin there is. And when he did that, he paid for all the sins of the Jewish people. Believe on him, and you will be saved. He had to go into the abyss to pay for the sins of the Jewish people, and now we can be saved because Sabatai has paid the price. Eventually, Sabatai was set free. He ended up in Greece and up in the Balkan countries where he died an obscure death. Then we had Jacob Frank. Jacob Frank was a Jewish rabbi from Poland. At that time, the country between Poland and Ukraine was going back and forth. They say he was born in Ukraine. At that time, he was born in Poland. So he kept on the scene, and what he said was this. He lived from 1726 to 1791, and he said this. I am Sabbatai Sevi. I have been reincarnated, and I am known now as Jacob Frank. Jacob Frank had a terrible Kabbalistic teaching. Destruction overthrow of everything, death to all the infidels, and Jews only were to reign. Now, the religion it had, there's a lot of people today in Judaism that are Frankists, but they do not really want to say that openly because it has a bad stigma. At the same time that Jacob Frank lived now, we had the Rothschilds. So we had Emmer Amschel, the first Rothschild, the founder of the Rothschild family. And then we also had the founder of the Illuminati, Adam Weishaupt. And it is interesting that they lived around Frankfurt am Main, in Germany, that's in Western Germany. matter of fact, Jacob Frank, he lived in Offenbach. And these three men lived very close to one another. They worked together. And they were chosen by the Jewish Kabbalistic leadership to begin hard to develop a system where they could take over the world. The Rothschilds were to take over the banking system, and Adam Weissap was to take over the political system, and Jacob Frank was to make sure that the Kabbalistic system that he had developed after Isaac Lurian and Sabbatai Sevi was followed by new rabbis, so they would have a hardcore Kabbalistic faith. Moving in time. By the way, I want to stop here just to say this to you now. You're giving us a lot of statistics here. You know, I can't remember all of this. Well, here's what we got. I have a magazine called The Dove. The last one we did was 2004. We published this from 1990, this will be really got into things, and I have what we call the Dove Collection. I have quite a bit what I'm speaking about here now in the magazine, the Dove. These are 8.5 by 11. they almost like books, and we call them the Dove Collection. If you says, well, I want to be educated, then you can order the Dove Collection from us. It's $47.50. Go on our website and simply say, I want to buy the Dove Collection, and you will have that. Also, we have the Kabbalah book series that you can order. So between the book on the history of the Jews, the dev collection, and the Kabbalah, you will have the information. All the years that i researched, you can have, and you can study this in two, three months, and learn what it took me 25 years to learn. Another thing is this. If you know that something exists, you can go on the web, and you can Google it, and you can find out, you can verify everything I did. You got to remember, now, most of my stuff was written before we had the internet, so I had to do basic research through books, documentation from people sending me in, and so on. And when I now go on Google and I Google things to look things up, I'm amazed that what I spoke about in the 1980s and 1990s is verified. It's right there on the internet you find it and so it's exciting so i will say this if you want to be a good student you want to know what's going on these are the things that i suggest that you get a hold of let's go back now to my teaching here now we're going to talk about moses hess most of you have never heard about moses hess he was another jewish kabbalist he lived from 1812 to 1875 moses hess used jacob frank's kabbalistic teaching And he is a forerunner to Karl Marx, who wrote the Communist Manifesto and was a founder of the communism. Moses Hess also wrote about the Zionistic movement and said, we have to get Palestine back. We have to restore the land. We have to rebuild the kingdom of Israel. So Moses Hess was a very even man. And he was a precursor. He was also training Karl Marx that most people know, if you have somewhat education, as a father of communism. But actually goes back to Moses Hess. Karl Marx was a Kabbalistic Jew. Now let me shoot this to you. After Sabbatai Sebaugh had converted to Islam, Nathan said, if you want to serve God, Convert to the religions in the countries you are living in. So Jews in Poland became Catholics. Jews in northern Germany became Lutherans. And Jews living in the Arab countries became Muslims. The Saudi family, the Saudi family is a Jewish Kabbalistic family. Crypto-Jews. And we also had in Greece what they called the Duma Jews. These were Jews that converted to Islam. And so I'm going to come back to that later. But we had a lot of Jewish people that converted to the religions of the land they lived in. It became known as Crypto-Jews. On their deathbeds, they were supposed to renounce the pagan religion, what they called pagan religion, and affirm their faith in Sabbatai Sevi. Jacob Frank and the rest of the gang. And that way they will be saved and go to their Jewish heaven, wherever that is. Now, Karl Marx developed communism, socialism. In the Kabbalah books, one of the books is called The Illuminati Writers. And you will find tremendous revolutions of peoples from 1848 to 1875 when they tried to overthrow the different governments in Europe to establish a world government, and they failed. The next man I want to talk about is Theodor Herzl. Theodor Herzl was born in 1860 and lived to 1904. Now, he is the founder of the World Zionist Organization that also put on the World Zionist Congress. And Theodor Herzl was financed by one of the Rothschilds he went down himself to Palestine. It was not called Israel at that time. One time to visit and so on. But he's a man that simply said, we have to establish a homeland for the Jews, Israel. He wrote a book called Der Judenstadt, which means the Jewish state. A translation of that is available in English. Now, here is what he said. Not all Jews are willing to sacrifice and rebuild the land of Israel. He said, we are going to do it, even if it means that whole branches of Jews will have to be sacrificed and killed. Let me back up. He said, now, we're going to do this if it means that thousands of Jews, millions of Jews have to be killed in order for us to accomplish this, so be it. Now, of course, you don't hear people talk about the Jewish state book. They don't bring that up. The Christian scientists do not bring that up. They don't want to talk about that. Probably they don't even know about it. Let me jump quickly forward to World War II. During World War II, the World Scientist Organization worked with Adolf Hitler and his regime. This is well documented. There was a book that came out about 1985 called The Transfer Agreement. For years, this was known in Jewish circles. They whispered about it. They didn't want to talk about it. And then this uh, Jewish, uh, last name is Black, decided... That he was going to write. He was simply going to set the record straight to be by the book, the transfer agreement. If you've never seen that book, that's a book you want to have. Google it and you can find it. You can buy it. Here's where the deal went down. The Jews in Germany were prosperous. They were bankers, doctors, lawyers. They owned factories. They had retail business. They were the upper crust in Germany. They were the tops. Now. The Zionists wanted the German Jews down to Palestine. They needed skilled people to build the infrastructure. The German Jews says, we ain't going. Why should we go down and start over in a pioneer work? The British Jews, that also was living good, said, we're not going to go down and build the state of Israel. They refused. American Jews, to this day, simply says, you know, we have a good time here, you know, so they refused to go. And the people that Theodor Herzl had were poor Russian Jews, which actually were Kassar Jews, and Jews from Eastern Europe, from Poland, Czechoslovakia, and so on, Ukraine. These were the Jews that were very interested in building a state of Israel. So, the Zionists said this to Hitler. If you allow us to take the Jews that we want to have and transfer them to the land of Palestine, we will allow you to take all the money and the resources that the Jews have. You can have that. That was a written transfer agreement. So the people that went to the concentration camps, the gas chambers, were the bottom rung of the Jewish people. Those were the ones that were sacrificed in order for the Zionist to be able to get the cream of the crop into Israel. Now, if you say, and only we never heard of that. That sounds horrible. You must be an anti-Semite. Listen, buddy. Buy the book, The Transfer Agreement. It's a Jewish book. It happened. They admit it. But you don't hear Christian Zionists talk about it. Now. The first World Zionist Congress was held in 1897 in Basel, Switzerland. Now, as I looked upon this, I said, where did these people get their money from? Because the first Congress in 1897 in Basel, Switzerland, there were Jews coming from America. They came from America. They came from all over the world. And they simply met there for a number of days, and they hammered out a program. Now, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, has a platform. They had a platform, which has been called the Protocol of the Elders of Zion. Some of you are going, man, is that guy anti-Semitic. Slow down. Just because I'm telling you something to happen does not mean I'm anti-Semitic. The Protocol of Zion was produced, and they simply laid out how they would take the countries formed them into a world government, and destroyed the sovereignty of all the nations. There's about 28 to 29 protocols in there. These protocols were leaked out. Some of them ended up in Russia, because there were Russian Jews that went to Basel. And there was a guy by the name of Nihilus that translated this into Russian, and then later it was translated into English. A copy of the English version other protocols, was placed in the British Museum in 1905. And it's a copy that is still there. When I heard about that, this was back in the 70s, I had a good friend who was an evangelist in Holland. And he often went to uh, London to do evangelistic work. And I asked him this, I said, can you do me a favor. Can you go to British Museum and check if they have the protocols of the Elder of Zion? He said, I will. So after some time, he sent me a letter. And I have a letter from British Museum. This is one of the offices there that issued that. They simply stated, this affirms that the British Museum has a copy of the English version of the protocol of the Elder of Zion in our possession and it was placed here in 1905. That's verified. We have that. Now, if you read the protocols, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to say, wow, someone wrote this prior to 1905 and you look upon world history and you say protocol one fulfilled, two, three, four, five. Everything has been fulfilled except the very last part of it. Now, the Jews said it's a forgery. Matter of fact, I had a mock trial in Switzerland in the 1930s where they said it was confirmed by the court that these were uh, simply not true. This was fake news. They were simply forgery. Let me ask you this question, then. If you've got a document there has been a prestigious museum, the British Museum, which is a British state museum. It's not a private one. If that was fake, how come that everything has been fulfilled? It's incredible. You write the fake document and you say, you know, if it's a fake document, it's not going to be true. But it has been fulfilled. Now, after this was done, they now started to begin the real work of establishing a world government. And I'm going to move now to the 2004 dove where i have an article here that i'm going to be sharing with you here what happened the first thing that the Zionists had to do was to crush turkey ottoman empire had to be crushed and in order to do that they started world war one now i might be losing some friends And you must as well i don't know about that john terrell but i'm going to tell you how things were world war one was started over the issue of establishing the state of israel turkey the ottoman empire had to be destroyed england france united states fought germany austria and the ottoman empire italy this time was on the side of the British. After the Germans were defeated, the Ottoman Empire was carved up. But let me talk to you about the Balfour Declaration. I'm sure you heard about the Balfour Declaration. This was Weissman. He is a man that was working for the British. Shane Weissman, he's the one that invented the smokeless gunpowder. And he used this to discover to cash in on the political scene. He was able to meet with a British foreign secretary, Arthur J. Balfour, who on November 2, 1917, wrote the so-called Balfour Declaration, a letter from Arthur Balfour to Lionel Walter Rothschild. This was not a government-issued declaration. It was a letter from the foreign secretary to a Rothschild the 2nd Baron Rothschild, a leader of the British Jews. And they now said that this is now, the British government is recognizing Zionism and pledging British aid for the Zionist effort to establish a home for world Jewry in Palestine. Let me read to you now the text of the Balfour Declaration. This is the copy. You can actually see this. You can Google this. You can find out what I'm telling you is exactly what it was. Here's what it said. Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's Government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which have been submitted to and approved by the Cabinet. His Majesty's Government views with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious right of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. I should be grateful if you would bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation. Signed, Arthur J. Balfour. Now, You hear Christian Zionists talk about the Balfour Declaration, you know, they have a legal right and so on. Well, here's the deal. The war was still going on when this was written. The Ottoman Empire was still standing. And here, the British cabinet to the government there, under the prime minister, issued a declaration saying that we are in sympathy with the Zionist desire to have a homeland in Palestine. Was that legal? Did they ask any other country? Did he ask the people living in Palestine? Of course not. So this is a document that has been grabbed at, talked about over the years. And if you go and ask any Christian Zionist, can you tell me what is a Balfour document? Do you know what it says? They have not the foggiest idea. They are just repeating what they heard. And if they heard it, it must be true. As we go on now, I told you about in the program I did previous to this one that the land covenant is broken and the people do not have the legal right to the land. Let me take you up now to World War I itself. The Arabs were double-crossed. How many of you have heard about Lawrence of Arabia? He was a British officer. He was actually more of an intelligence officer. Lawrence of Arabia promised the Arabs, these were people living in Saudi Arabia, they lived in Syria, they lived in uh, Jordan, Iraq, and Iran, the people there wanted to get rid of the Ottoman Empire. They wanted independence. So, the British said, look, you fight for us, and when the war is won, you will get your land back and you will become independent. Well they believed that. In Lawrence of Arabia, they made a movie about him. He had a legion of Arab fighters on camels, and they did havoc with the Ottoman Empire soldiers. They simply believed that now we would have our countries back. So what happened? The war was over and now there was there was two people. We had Sir Mark Sykes from England, and Georges Picot from France. And I'm sure that some of you heard about the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Listen to this. The two leading diplomats in these negotiations were Sir Mark Sykes from England and Georges Picot from France. A secret agreement was signed on April 26, 1916, two years before the war ended. Instead of giving the Arabs independence... Lebanon and Syria would come under French protection. England would be the sovereign over the port city of Haifa and the crusader city of Acre, just controlling the bay that would serve as a Mediterranean terminal to oil pipelines coming from Mesopotamia, now known as Iraq. Palestine would be under the triple protection of Britain, France, and Russia. An Arab state under British protection would go from the Mediterranean to the Red Sea. Iraq was divided up between France and England, Northern Iraq, with its provincial capital, Mosul, which they're fighting in now, would go to the French, While the British would take the rest of Iraq from Baghdad in the north to the Persian Gulf in the south. Now, this guy Sykes and Picot simply drew up a plan, which was accepted by the British government and the French government, and simply said this, we're going to carve up the Ottoman Empire into these countries, and they're gonna be colonies. France, England. Notice now, America was not part of this. This is a division up between England and France. They helped themselves. Do you understand now what the people in Iraq, Iran, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, do you understand why they hate the West? They know what happened. But, of course, in the Western world, in our countries here, in the United States, Canada, Western Europe, we are not taught this in a public school. We simply those nasty Arabs. They always have a rebellion. Why don't they just shut up and sit down? Well, the country got stolen from them. This is a broken treaty that took place. If you want to have the details, I have this in this issue of the Dove. The League of Nations was formed, and um, there was taking control over things. as a forerunner to the United Nations. And then we have the beginning now of the World Zionist Organization, PowerWise. Let me just read this to you here now. As I stated time and time again, the majority of the German Jews had no intention of leaving Germany, for they loved living in Germany as they were deeply integrated into German society. They owned factories, banks, business, they had positions position in the educational system, whereas the judges attorneys, turned the officers in the German armed forces. By the way, Hitler had Jewish Soldiers, another book, Hitler's Jewish Soldiers, written by a Jew. And there were about a couple of hundred thousand of half Jews, half Germans, that the Nazis said, Okay, we need you. We're going to clean you up. You are Aryan. You can serve. A lot of stuff went on behind the scenes. The same held true with Jews living in other nations in Western Europe. The British Jews were well established in England. They had no desire to pick up belongings and move to Palestine. American Jews worked hard to attain the American dream. They were not going. And so they had to use poor Jews from the East unless they could simply force Jews from Germany, France, Holland to go to Israel. That's what we had the Holocaust. Hitler hated Jews. By the way, Hitler's was half Jewish, and most of the Nazi leadership were Kabbalistic Jews. It is such a mess. It is so entwined that it's hard for people to wrap their minds around it and realize that World War II was fought to establish the state of Israel. Now, who were some of these people that were working here among them? We had, for example, uh, Golda Meir, her real name was Golda Mabovich, a Russian Jew, and she eventually became the Prime Minister of Israel. Menachem Begin, Ben-Gurion, and hundreds of others were Zionists, and they were also communists, socialists, and they fought hard in, in secrecy. There was a lot of blood on their hands. Let me talk about an organization I call BIDAR, or Trumpledor. This is an organization which has played a major role in bringing Jews to Palestine, but is almost unknown to the Christian community. BIDAR forces have been fighting on a number of fronts in Russia, and it was BIDAR forces who mopped up the resistance at the short-lived revolt in Russia in October 1993. You might not remember that. There was a revolt in 1993 as Russia was breaking loose. And the forces that killed mercilessly were Beter forces. Now, Boris Yeltsin took over the parliament building in Moscow. Troops loyal to Yeltsin put down the revolt. But it was Beter forces who went from floor to floor in a parliament building, taking no prisoners, but simply killing anyone who had taken part in the revolt. When the fighters against Yeltsin realized that B. Their forces were loose in the building, they streamed out of the building and surrendered to the regular Russian army. B. Their forces are deeply respected and feared in all former communist nations. This is a secret army that very few people know about. But if you lived in the communist countries in the east, you know them and you know they were ruthless. Beta was founded in 1923 in the city of Riga, capital of Latvia, one of the three Baltic nations, by Vladimir Jabotinsky. Originally, it was a revisionist youth movement, but later was developed into a paramilitary organization. And Jabotinsky named the organization after the late Russian Jew, Joseph Trumpledor, who lived from 1880 to 1920, who had been a soldier officer of the Russian Imperial Army. He attended the first Zionist congress in 1897, returned to Russia, founding a Zionist society in Piatigorsk In 1902, he was drafted in the Russian army. His units of action at Port Arthur just north of Manchuria, between 1904-05, as the Japanese army attacked the Russian-held seaport. Now, let's go back here. In 1911, Trumpledore had met with like-minded revolutionaries. A group of 16 men moved to Palestine and tried to set up a collective farm, but they didn't have the finances. The group broke up in 1913 after severe infighting. Templedor attended the 11th silence congress and then traveled to Russia to promote the Jewish National Fund and speak at meetings for Jews and them to move to Palestine, or as it is known, Aliyah. He then returned to Palestine and worked in agricultural labor. When the war broke out in 1914, the Turkish government expelled him from Egypt. It was there that he met Jabotinsky and Pinas Rutenberg, a Russian Jew born in 1879. And the three men discussed the idea of forming a fighting unit of Jews to join the British Army. Trumpledor joined a Jewish unit called Zion Mule Courts, which was actually in Gallipoli, a city in the European part of Turkey, south of istanbul where the british forces suffered defeat and were evacuated as we go down here in this particular list here i'm not going to take any more time on trump but anyway the Zionist movement is extremely extremely militant and they are ruthless how did they really do things later on well we had several organizations we had the hagenau and uh, we had another organization that was fighting the British in Palestine after World War I and up to World War II. The Haganah and the Stern Gang, that's what it's called, the Stern, S-T-E-R-N Gang. These were the two military groups that later were the foundation of the Israeli army. And, of course, then we had the Mossad, grew out of this, an intelligence service. They had an intelligence service for a long time. So, in closing down this particular version here and now about the Jews and the land, what I want to share with you, what I want you to take home is this. These Kabbalistic Jews, simply say this, we will do it ourselves. We're not going to wait for God. According to the Kabbalah, if they can make the whole world evil, every person evil, then the Holy Serpent would come up from the abyss. And will be the Jewish Messiah and start and establish the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. That's what they're waiting for. These people are ruthless. And they do know this. It might not happen in my lifetime. But I'm part of a movement. And so they don't care if they die and the job is not done yet. They know this. Our sons, our daughters will continue. And someday... We will have our Messiah in Jerusalem, sitting in a temple, and we will rule the world. That's their goal. They are very strong about it. They are very dedicated to it. They were killed for that particular reason. And this is what's behind the Zionist movement among the Jewish people. Not all Jews are Zionist. Probably millions of Jews They'd say we, have, we want nothing to do with the Zionist movement. But the Zionists, they have the media. They have the money. They can talk. Yeah. And the other people do not have the media, so they cannot make their voices heard, just like in any other country. What can you and I do now? Christian Zionist, what does that mean? It simply means that you are working to make sure that the Antichrist will take power in
0: Wow, what an incredible teaching today. That is a lot of information to process. And I highly recommend that people wrote notes. And if you didn't, you need to go back and do that. I really highly recommend that you jot down your questions and get them into me soon because next week. John and I are going to have a Q&A on this topic. If you have any questions, and I'm sure there's a lot of people with questions, email me. And I highly recommend that you each go to my website today. Click on that link and order those little seven booklets on the Kabbalah. For all seven booklets, it's $42. So worth the money. I'll tell you what, nothing opened my eyes until I read those. And of course, the Dove Collection that is a must have. I myself just ordered the Nazi Zionist connection. There is a title. Boy, oh boy, I'm telling you what, John has done such a good job of laying this out. John, thank you so much for doing this two part series. Of course, today's teaching entitled The Zionist Movement. Thank you so much for coming on, John. And I really look forward to you coming back and doing the Q&A with us. Thanks so much, John.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Folks, that was Pastor John Terrell. His information is bookmarked today. You can check out eaec.org. That's eaec.org. Go to the link where you can get the Dove Collection. Again, the Dove Collection, it's 12 issues, only $3.75 per issue. That's $45 for 12 issues. I'll tell you what, that is cheap. I just bought a National Geographic magazine last week. $17 for these things. And you're getting so much truth that it is just absolutely amazing. You need to go and look at this. I'm just taking a look here, like spring of 98, exposing the counterfeit anointing, showdown in Jerusalem, the formulation of a one world religion, false prophets. Each edition just addresses so much the birth of a world government. And I just got that Nazi Zionist connection. So many incredible teachings. These are out of circulation. And these were written, keep in mind, before internet. This was John's own research with, as I said yesterday, my favorite, who contributed to some of these writings, Anthony C. Sutton, who wrote one of my favorite, in fact, I think it is my favorite book, The Secret Establishment, The Order of the Skull and Bones. Wow, boy, that connects some dots. So you can see, this is so worth getting if you really want to educate yourself on this. If you really want to get into the underbelly of this absolutely insidious agenda, do get this. Again, simply go to weekendvigilante.com, scroll down to John's bio for January 16th and 17th. That information you can find there. Thank you so very much for tuning into the program today. I have got an MRI scheduled for tomorrow, and I will be back on the air Thursday with the General Ivory Hopkins, and then Friday, Chris Taylor and Rory Brown. You're going to want to listen to this show. Very interesting stuff. Thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast today. Don't forget, email me your questions on this series for the Q&A. We'll try to get to everybody's question. Just go to weekendvigilante.com and email me your question. My information is there on the contact. Good night and God bless.